Does anybody feel him in this place? Sometimes you hear God the loudest in the softest moments. I could feel the anointing today in the worship. It was good. It was good. When God's hand touches it, it just fixes everything. Like, when you don't see all the technical and then God's hand touches the situation, everything becomes anointed, everything changes. Y'all may be seated. Kids going to class. Hey, there goes half the church. Just kidding. I expected that to happen. So guys, we got something new we're doing. It's extra creative. It um, took a lot of thinking. So how are we going to come up with a name for this? Because it's deep. It's Donut Sunday. Thank you. What are we going to call it? Well, what is it? Donuts. I know. I told Michelle, we'll call it Donut Sunday. Because why? Because the last Sunday of the month will be Donut Sunday in the foyer. What does that mean? That means you can come before church, you know, instead of like at 1030. Not that you guys do that. I'm talking about the ones that didn't show up today. They can come early and we can socialize with all our friends and have free donuts and coffee, Zoe. Come on. Who doesn't like donuts? It's healthy. Trying to feed our temptations. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to dive in and have a donut. I won't, I won't eat one, but you guys can eat them all. But Donut Sunday, tell your friends. And if you're on social media, we're going to have an inside church joke, Donut Sunday alert. It's a bullhorn. You know, like at the hockey games? It's like so annoying and obnoxious. That's why it's awesome. When you go on social media, you see, you see something about Donut Sunday and you hit play, it's going to... That means it's tomorrow, the next day. That's your Donut Sunday reminder. So if you're game for Donut Sunday, please show up and eat them or they'll go to waste. And we don't want that. But tell your friends, hey, you don't know about Jesus, but come for some donuts. And maybe you'll want to know more about Jesus because Jesus is sweet like donuts. Free coffee. You know, 10-10, 10-15. We just want to, like, connect with people outside of just the sermon because that's, that's where it happens for people. They, they, they don't know that, like, we're normal because we go to church, you know, sometimes. And if you're watching on TV, we're normal. Can't you tell? We're normal. So if you want to get to know us, we want you to come to the foyer and have a donut. And we'll just say, hey, what's going on? What's your name? Where do you go to church? You know, well, I mean, hopefully you come here. But where do you work? What do you do? You know, that kind of thing. It's to connect with people. So donut, donut Sunday. But nothing to do with donuts. This past week, our Roku channel went live. And in case you all don't know, I'm kind of a nerd. I'm a software developer in my day job, okay? So I do a lot of things that give us an advantage in the communication world of technology just because I have to do it anyway. So I went and built us a Roku channel. Didn't cost anything. But Roku is the biggest streaming TV provider right now, supposedly, in the world. And it's kind of a new thing. And in five years, I think it's going to be a really common thing. People are shifting from cable TV. And the way you syndicate things is through streaming. So there's this new niche there. And so it's another avenue to expose the church. Does anybody even know what a Roku is? Okay. 
it's like an Apple TV, Google TV, Fire TV, Amazon's version. We're on there too. We're on Amazon's also. I'm working on Google's, but you know, only so much so fast. You can go to Roku and you can search 1C Church and you can add it as a channel. And it doesn't mean don't come to church, but it means if you want an extra dose and you don't have the mobile app and you're not on social media or YouTube, you can go to Roku and watch it from your TV. Come on now. That's cool, right? High def. It's not a substitute for church, but it's another seed. We're trying to expose ourselves. We're trying to build awareness. So pretty cool. But my point in telling you that is I have to go through and push all the sermons from 2018. It's a slow process. And I'm going through uploading the sermons. And I came up to one missing. And I'm like, that's weird. August 19th. There's no sermon file. I save everything. I'm, a, I'm an Excel spreadsheet junkie. Everything's tracked, man. And there's no sermon. And I, I remembered it's because we didn't have church. Anybody remember August 19th? We didn't have church. If you weren't here yet, we didn't have church because church was out in the intersection, a highway in, in Lake St. Louis Boulevard. And it was in a car accident. It was about 8, 10 in the morning. Stephanie, can we show them picture one? I kind of went back and forth. Do I really want to preach a, a message about this? Do I want to give any type of significance to this negativity? And I said, but God is telling me that there's good that came from this. So I have to expose the good and show them what transformation will do. That's me. That's the trailer. That was the first day of the trailer coming to church. Day uno. We hadn't even, me and my brother built out the trailer to strap everything good, but not yet. I said, it's okay, Sean. I'm going to come one, one week. It'll be okay. I'll just set it in there. That week is the week that happened. Go figure. Let's go to number two. Oh, oh, ouch. Yeah, that was one of these. Fling, turn, twist, 10-point landing. I crawled out of that window on top. It was, I had a headache. Let's go to, let's go to number three. Oh, any of you trailer guys out there? That's the receiver mount. You ever tried to twist a receiver mount? They don't really move too easy. That's what force will do. That's about a 30, 45-degree pitch on that receiver mount. That that trailer just twisted on that truck. Okay, let's go to the next one. If you're at home right now watching, you can't see this. I'm sorry. You're just going to have to feel it with me because the screen I know is above the camera. That's the side the car landed on. It was totaled. All right, next one. Oh, yeah, we lost the wheel. It's awesome. And, and I was like, you know, they can't say this is fixable because the wheel's missing. I mean, this is totaled. They better total it. We need to get our insurance money out of this. You know what's funny is you can have an impact not even know it until you look back. I told Michelle, I said, I don't think the airbag went off. I didn't feel it. I said, I said when, I, when I stopped to get out of the car, the airbag was all deflated. I said, it didn't work. And I had this horrible neck pain. What I realized, it soccer kicked me in the head so fast that I didn't realize it even went off. I thought the car malfunctioned. But it kind of saved my face. We don't want that to get met. No, I'm just kidding. Let's go to the next one. Is that the last picture before the video? We got a video here of the inside. I'll show you what the trailer looked like when Sean found it. Those are gas generators, and they're upside down. They weigh over 100 pounds each. 
There's the pulpit. There's a nice new oil stain in the floor. Day one of my trailer. I was so mad that happened. The flags, everything. That's the stuff we, we tote every week and set up. It was, it was painful to watch. When it happened, it was different. But when I look back, I see all the details differently. See, sometimes we encounter a situation that is so substantial, so impactful, so catastrophic. We're left spinning, out of control, and impacted by the result, literally impacted by the result, the street pole. Something bigger than ourselves. But the moment we realize our grip has limitation on life, I got it all covered, guys. I got a good grip on life, I thought. That moment when we realize it has a limitation and the strength of our hands will diminish depending on the circumstances is the moment we hand over control to the greater strength whose grip is unbreakable. Have you found yourself in the grasp? This hand's messed up. I don't know what happened. I think I landed on it. I still can't shake people's hand good. Hey, nice to meet you. And I'm just like, I got, you know, not the coolest handshake right now. Not the manliest because it hurts really bad. I don't know. It'll heal. I figured just keep, you know, using it abusively. That'll make it better, right? That's probably why it hasn't healed by now. The grip's weak. But have you found yourself in the grasp of a situation that was stronger than the grip your hands could bear? If we go to 2 Samuel, the prophet Samuel, chapter 22, verses 1 through 7, this is David talking to the Lord through song, recognizing the limitation of his grip. This is David. You know, he killed the giant. He's the greatest king ever, but he knew he had limitation. You're only as strong as you recognize where you're weak. It says in verse 1, Then David spoke to the Lord the words of this song on the day when the Lord had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, the God of my strength and whom I trust. I will trust my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. That streetlight was an enemy that day. You with me? So shall I be saved from my enemies when the waves of death surrounded me, the floods of ungodliness made me afraid. I was afraid later. I was angry in it. They wrecked my truck. They wrecked, all, they wrecked our stuff. That's exactly, I'm not kidding. I'm, I'm, they wrecked our stuff. I'm sideways, okay? They, give me, I was thinking, they wrecked our stuff. That's what, that's what your mind will do. That's irrational, right? It's, it's because you're in it. You can't see clearly when you're in it. It took me a couple of days of looking back, especially the pictures, to go, whoa. Hmm. 
Maybe there's more to this. I got to adjust this mic real quick. Bear with me one second, guys. Forgot to do what Vincent said. Number two, bring it down. Now we're good. Yeah, there we go. See, we're going to have a sound man next week. We don't have to do that no more. Keeping it real, right, camera people? The hand of God is the light that steers you clear of darkness. See, you don't, you don't know. Let's go back to the picture two. I got it memorized. It looks like a car wreck. It is. But what you all don't know is that when I was driving into this intersection and I saw a car coming upon me, I saw two options. Hit him or hit him. There was nothing. I said, he's going to stop. He's going to stop. And, and I even said, why didn't I slam on? There's no, I didn't slam on my brakes. And my only conclusion is that when I was a kid, I'd drive pretty bad. I never slammed on brakes. I'd go around. I'd zip around people with my Mustang. Remember the Mustang? So I don't know if that's what happened. I think in my mind, it was about three seconds reaction time. I think in my mind, he was going to stop. And if he didn't, I was going to go around him. But I thought, I can't do that. There's a 24-foot trailer on the back of this puppy. I can't move. So as I was contemplating that in the three seconds, I didn't want to hit him. Because if I had hit him the right way, the way that most people would have hit him, I'm not saying the right way, but the way that would have came natural, it would have been dead T-bone, boom. And if someone had been riding with him, they would be dead. I didn't want to hit him. I didn't want to hit anything. So I was looking at him, and I turned, and as I turned, I didn't even see there was a street pole right there because I was looking at him. So I turned, and as I turned, I, I, I hit him anyway. I clipped, and then boom, the street pole. That's all I remember. Then I'm like, can I get out of this thing? Did that just really happen? But my point is, the way the car landed could have been really different, okay? It landed, fling, perfect. My guitar, it's a $3,500 handmade French guitar, Jean Lerve, Jeff. Jeff in the house here, not this Jeff. I'm not schizophrenic. I've had it since I was 19 years old. It's the only thing I owned that had value back then because, you know, I was, no offense, I was a musician. <laughs> you know how that goes, musicians and parents' basements and, you know, this is the way you got to survive. But my guitar was in the passenger seat and the, the ambulance driver said, did you, did you have anything of value in there? And I said, my guitar. I thought I was fine until he asked me and then I just broke down because it was sentimental. The guitar was perfect. It landed, it's on the bottom, in the driver, the passenger seat. It's perfect. How? All the stuff in the trailer, $260 in trailer damage. Had to re-weld the back. The truck, I didn't like it to begin with. So God was just taking care of it, evidently. Oh, my neck still hurts thinking about this. Crawled right out. I, you know, I sprained my hand. I had a little, uh, what is it, whiplash? But if that angle had been just a little different, I know, I, know, I know it doesn't feel the same, but if you think about this, if the angle had been just a little different, I would have gone straight in to that street light, not done one of these, just a couple feet to the left. It started to freak me out a bit when I thought about that. I thought, man, I, I don't know. The night before, Caleb was in the, in the car with me the night before. He wanted to go with Daddy to take the new trailer to the RV park. That sounds like fun. Can I go? just like 12 hours earlier. So the hand of God 
went, it's going to happen. You're in the world. Things are going to happen. But I'm with you, and I'm going to make it a soft landing for you. He spared me. I'm convinced of it. And I'm so grateful for that. But the hand of God is the light that steers you clear of darkness. And when life is good, you feel like you've got a grip on life. I got it. I got the good money. I got the nice ride. I got the nice clothes. I got it all. I got a grip until you realize there's a limit to your grip. It's a, it's a rolling sequence. You know, you get going through the motions, they say, and, and you just feel invincible. I mean, in my 20s, I, I did. I really did. I thought, you can, I'm perf- I can never die. I mean, it's like you feel like death is not real. But God sometimes has to get your attention. He'll draw the good from it. And that's what he did. He showed me my grip had a limitation on the strength. And, and David knew he had a limitation in that the Lord was his strength. That's what made him strong, you see, because David knew he had limitations. It's only when you can recognize your limitations do you know how to find real strength. You think you got it, man. You might lose a grip. Anybody got the, um, so I've always had puny forearms, you know, I just don't got the most manly forearms. And I've always been jealous of the guys who got the big veiny. Nick's dad, he's, he's got the killer forearms, man. He just looks, because his forearms are, he's got, they're called extensors, I found out, okay? They're, they're extensors, Tim. You know, you know about the extensors? And they got the little finger tools. You can work your extensors. You ever seen those? They're like these little rubber bands for your fingers. And so, so I thought I'd work on my grip strength because it's always lacked real strength. It's puny. Didn't really have good grip. I never could crush a man's hand. I never did the trick either. You know, you turn the wrist over trick. That's the alpha male trick. You, you, someone shakes your hand and they do one of these. That's the, that's the, that's the leverage trick, in case you want to know. That's a man thing. Anyway, we went to uh, Birmingham, Alabama one time. We went to Florida. And we're driving through. And we're staying in the hotel. And they got an indoor pool, and my kids can't swim yet, but they got an indoor pool, so we thought, we'll throw them in anyway. And, you know, the deep end's down there, and, uh, you know, they're swimming, and they think they got it. It's fine, Daddy. I'm good. I don't need the floaties because, you know, I can, I can just, like, barely tiptoe. If I stay right here, I can barely tiptoe. I don't need the floaties. I got a grip on this. Chloe, at the time, my five, six-year-old, now she's eight. And I'm just, you know, I'm doing one of these. And I got distracted for one second. And I tend to stay calm in the heat of the moment. My spouse, we like to contribute differently. I'm, I generally stay really calm in times of panic. And I look over and I don't see Chloe. It's because she's underwater. I see something in there. Is that a fish? I just went on. I snatched her right up out of that water. She was drowning for about two seconds. See, she thought she had a grip on it. But God says, I got my grip on you. You don't have a grip on nothing until you get in deep waters. And then now I got to pull you out. And that's what I'm going to do because you're my child. Just like I pulled her out. He'll just pull you right out. He'll pull you right out of the car. He'll pull you right out of the divorce. He'll pull you right out of the financial problem. He'll pull you right out of the relationship issue. He'll pull you out. 
You don't have it like you think. Your grip strength is limited. That's what the hand of God does. It is the light that steers you clear of when you're headed towards darkness. Are we self-reliant in our strength or do we recognize our limitation? How long can we hold on to what we're trying to control? I thought if I held the steering wheel long enough, it just wouldn't happen. And when it happened, I was humbled because I, I just think I'll, I'll just yell at that. No, you are not going to hit my car. No, you won't. No, you stop it. Stop it. That's going to work. It didn't work. I thought I had it. I could squeeze. I, I didn't have the, the extensor workout yet, Tim, but if I did, it doesn't matter because I could hold the steering wheel as long as I could, and I still couldn't stop the other person. My grip had a limit. My strength had a limit. Where are we strongest? Ask yourself this. When life is good or when we're forced to let go from a situation we can't control? You may find your ability to hold on to life best is when you reach for help. I can't, I can't hold it. I got to give it a reach. And sometimes the situation is out of reach. I mean, i got to be honest, it's not the most pleasant Monday morning to roll into after that stuff happens. You start thinking, that, that's not what I planned. I didn't, I didn't want to do the insurance claims and the three claims and the, had one guy give me a hard time on social media, tell me I drove the truck wrong and I was like, I didn't plan for that. I'm losing my grip. It starts piling on you. It starts piling on you. And now you just, everything's out of reach. I can't reach anything to regain my grip. But it's when things are completely out of reach, it'll shift your perspective. Everybody say shift. Shift. Stephanie, can you play that last video? Something's out of reach and you see it from a distance. It'll change your perspective. That's, that's me in the ambulance. You see this white car? That's my brother. Look at, look at, look at, look at those little chicken legs run across the, that's my brother. I didn't know that. I was in that room. Look at that. I didn't know that. Look at all the cars. I didn't see all that because I had to step back to where it was out of my reach and look at it from a different angle. And I was sitting in the ambulance and they made me put the neck thing on and I was trying to be nice, Stephanie. I was trying, but the thing was choking me. Okay. It was, it was like, this is not saving me. This is killing me guys. It's choking me. I can't breathe. I go, can you loosen it just a smidge? I could actually swallow my spit again. It was good. And, and when my brother came in the car, I couldn't even turn. Because I was so stiff. But I could hear him. I knew he was there because I could hear him. I didn't need to see him. I know his voice. Come on, you know where I'm going with this, Vincent. I know his voice. I don't need to see God. I know his voice. And it had to be quiet when he came. He says, are you okay, Jeff? I said, yeah, bro, I'm okay. 
Thank you for helping me. I'm good. I'm good. Never saw him because I know my brother's voice, just like I know my God's voice. And it was in the subtle moment. It was just me, the paramedic, and my brother for a second in that moment. And I didn't see all of this till later. Isn't that freaky? We found that on St. Charles County. That's not something you necessarily want to see, but someone shared it with me, and it kind of freaked me out because it changed my perspective when I looked in from the outside. When I looked in from, you know, 100 feet in the air and it was out of my reach, it changed how I looked at the situation. Sometimes you got to get out of reach from the situation to get a good focus on what it is that happened. In the moment, our mind is in one place. It's just mad about the crash. It's not grateful yet. You're not thinking about you still have life. You still have church family. You still have children. You have so many blessings that almost got taken from you. None of that crossed my mind until I saw that. Our circumstances in the moment are not foreseen, and you're surrounded by the enemy's work. But David knew he was limited and needed the hand of God to steer him, because you're going to come across the enemy. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how faithful you are, you will deal with adversity. And the more faithful you are, it seems like the more adversity you face. But it's about your perspective and recognizing your limitation in those moments, calling on the name of the Lord giving it control, letting go of that grip, and reaching for the one whose grip is unbreakable. He'll remind you he's there, just like my brother, when you can't see him, you can't hear him. You'll feel lost when you've hit that low place. I really thought, oh, man, how how am I going to fix this? I was sitting on the curb. Sitting on the curb. Sorry, camera people. When it first happened, I was just sitting there like this, thinking, how am I going to fix this? Jesus said, you're not going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. And he pulled me out of the pool like I did Chloe. He said, come on, man. Really? You already forgot about me? So Jesus said, I said, no, Lord. I was praying in the I was doing. I was praying in some way in the ambulance. And the driver was just like, just keep saying your prayers, man. It's going to be okay. I was like, well, I know that. He, he thought I was a mess, but I was really, felt fine. I was just praying. But I was freaking him out a little bit because, you know, I was talking to God and everything. That's good, though. He'll probably remember that. Maybe he'll get a seed from that, right? Sometimes life just happens. We are in this world as Christians, but not of it. And our view of life is not the same as God's. If that had ended a different way, I can't still tell you that, you know, God allowed it. God didn't punish me. Why he allowed it, I don't know and I don't, I don't care. What I do know is that he brought me out of it. That's what matters. He brought us out of it. Y'all know what the church did. Everybody came together, man. It was reaction from people. It wasn't thought out. It was the greatest outpouring of love I've seen in a long time. And it moved me and it changed my perspective of people. It changed my perspective of the mission of this church. It changed my perspective of my life. 
in what I already had that I was forgetting about. I've been blessed. I've seen a lot in my young 39 where I was getting bored. It's not enough anymore. It's not. I don't need to do that trip again. I'm tired of it. And God said, good, because that's not what it's about. That was my 30s, that transformation. It was me letting go and saying, okay, God, now I don't care anymore what they think. Now I'm reaching for you. Now I need to pass the baton. I need to do a handoff. You know, like, like in the races, you know, like in, uh, what was it, Spirit Day at gym, gym class? Anybody ever have Spirit Day? It would be like the last week of school, and it'd be fun stuff, and like you do balloon tosses and all this stuff, and you do the, you do the race, the, platoon, the, the, the handoff thing, and I was always really slow. I was a little chunky kid, and I couldn't run, and I was really slow, and kids would make fun of me, and we'd do the handoff, and I was trying to run, but I just couldn't go any faster. And it's funny, but it's true, I couldn't couldn't go and when the next kid came up you know if if I was Caleb then man I'd be like class star athlete but I wasn't I was me and and the kid would come and then boom because I handed off the baton to the one whose grip was unbreakable the one who could finish the race for me because I was at my limitation he wants you to hand it off if you don't hand it off he can't steer you in times of darkness. He is the hand of God, the hand that steers you. He is the light that steers you clear of the darkness. And God wants to steer you to his will. When you crash and burn, God will resurrect you out of the rubble. And he shines his light in dark situations. And I can say out of this whole year, when I look back, I'm going to think about that day. Not because I want to glorify it and give, give attention to the devil, but because he changed my perspective and I'll remember forever what we all did. And that is what it's about. We were the body of Christ that day. We came together. Jesus doesn't invoke disaster on your life, so quit blaming him. But he'll turn your disaster into victory. When you hand off the baton, he'll position you now for success. We're continuing to grow. We're continuing the mission. You're going to have speed bumps in any success story. You've got to learn how to get through the speed bumps. The funny thing about this that happened is, so we have to park the trailer. I used to park the trailer in my house but this trailer was too big for my garage. So I said, it's got to go. I like my garage back. So I had to park it at an RV parking lot on Highway Z, Keevan Brothers Storage. Keevan Brothers rocks. They got sod, they got storage. Love them. But they stuck me way out yonder on Highway Z because they're, you know, they're full. The one right here, right by Duello on Highway N, is a half the distance. It was full. So day one, boom, go to Highway Z, coming back. And I thought, how am I going to do this every week? How am I going to drive every week through this intersection from Highway Z and just play back and play back? I'm going to be the most chipper pastor ever coming to church because i got to think about this every single Sunday. So I get a call from Keevan Brothers, like that week. True story. Hey, uh, Jeff, hey. We had you on the waiting list for the you know, the one that's closer. If you still want that? I said, yeah, yeah. I'll save like four minutes. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I still have to drive through that intersection. But he cut our drive time down in half. And it's not the same because what, what was in my mind is I went to Highway Z. I stopped by the gas station. Came here. That's what was in my mind. And he said, I got, I got that out of there. Let's move you. So they moved us that week. They didn't know I was having panic about the drive. They moved us. The hand of God just, it's subtle. It's not a throw you across the street. It's subtle. It just kind of moves you into place. Yeah, you're going to hit the street pole. I'm going to make you land okay. It's subtle. It's a gentle touch. The hand of God is a gentle touch. And God desires to position us in order to walk the path he set before us. Rejoice when you feel weak because God is greater than your situation. The hand of God is the only way to keep a solid grip on your destiny. If y'all could stand with me, we're going to go Hebrews real quick. Chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. This is the good news. This is a good news message. I know it looks bad, but it's not bad. It's good. And in verse 1 of Hebrews 12, he says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Guess what, guys? We're in a race right now. We're running the race. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. He endured the cross. You can finish this race because he endured the cross. Despising the shame, he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. He is the finisher of the race. Come on, somebody. If you're glad that you're not on this race alone, you don't have to know that it's how many miles it looks down the road. You know that he's going to let you finish because you don't have to worry about it because he's with you in the race. He's your endurance. If you're dehydrated, he'll give you drink. You know, that affects your endurance. Trust me, I learned that cycling with my brother when I got the chills and almost passed out. He said, did you drink any water? I said, no. He says, I said, you're going to drink the living water because the endurance will last forever that way. Even when you think your life's falling apart, you'll have endurance to finish the race. You may feel tired like me with that baton on spirit day and want to stop running but endure because he what do you say he is your strength you may be losing grip this morning your life feels like it's slipping a little dmx yo i'm slipping i'm falling i can't get up sorry mom and dad that's just it popped in my head we won't say the rest of those lyrics it's slipping what do i do he is there to grab the baton and take the race for you just when you thought all hope was lost. That may be the opening to see Jesus. I'm going to pop my head out that window. I saw the man. Hey, man, are you okay? You need help? Wow. I didn't know he was there. That's how God is. I couldn't see him, but I know he's there. Like in the ambulance. I couldn't see him, but I could hear his voice. That's how Jesus is in your life. You got to be quiet sometimes and pay attention and he is there. When your neck feels trapped, you can't swallow from the pressure of the 
what do they call that? Neck brace? The neck brace. Listen closely because he's still there. God wants to deliver you and he wants to give you a new perspective and he'll do it in good situations and he'll do it in the bad situations, but he'll do it if you turn your ear towards Christ and you reach for his hand because his grip is unbreakable. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for letting us be able to go back and look at this situation and learn from it and see how to practically improve our steps we're taking towards your kingdom and how we can also spiritually mature to learn how you operate in our lives. Everybody's got different levels of situation and everybody's had different pain points in their life. And this is, this is not about me and this is not about this accident. This is an illustration to reflect the same situations that happen in everyone here. Everybody has a different situation that they're dealing with. Everybody has a battle. Everybody has a perspective that looks like things are slipping away. But help them turn their ears toward you and spiritually reach for your grip because you said, I will never leave us. You will never leave us, and you will help us finish what we've started. You will help us finish the race. You are in endurance. You are our strength. When we have none, you are perfectly strong in us, and we will reach for you harder. The worse it is, we will reach for you more. We will keep reaching because we know you will not abandon us. And if everybody could say, in Jesus' name, amen.